causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you I don't know if any of you have ever been to one of those, uh, uh, they call it a breaking out or a mystery house. Has any of you ever been to those things? Well, that's where you, you go and, and uh, there's different scenarios. And uh, <clears throat> We was in one here a while, a few weeks ago with the kids and, and Brad and Sherry, and it was a, it was a volcano and, and you, had to, uh, you had to break off the island, get off the island before the volcano erupted or you'd die. And so it was just a small room, but there was all these different clues in the room. And the, the idea was you couldn't jump from one clue to the next. You had to go from one clue, and that clue helped you get to the next clue. And you had a certain amount of time. So as we got through that, I, I was thinking, huh, that's a good sermon. And so I, uh, I started praying over that, and, and, and the Lord brought this to me as I prayed over it. And so it was, uh, uh, what we're going to do today is we're going to start with some clues and some different 
boxes and keys and all kinds of things and, 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 and see where God will take us from the beginning to the end. Some of you are here today, you've got some big burdens on your heart. There's no doubt about it. Uh, some of you here today, you're not even know, you don't even know why you're here. Somebody made you come, somebody asked you to come, and you're here, and you really don't even want to be here. I understand that, I get that. But you're here. And so what I'd ask from, from you today, and, and whether, whether, whether you're here and you're joyfully here, or you're here because you think you've got to be here, that you would just take the next 30, 40 minutes and just enjoy what God has to offer you today. You might just like it. And some of these burdens that you're, that you're dealing with, whether they're, they're financial or whether uh, marriage or whatever, with your children or whatever the burden might be, maybe, just maybe, God will start to lift those burdens if you'll pay attention to him. So one thing I've learned about God is he's an order, he's a God that does everything in order. His word is a historical book written down. The oldest historical book we have in the world. The New Testament, thousands upon thousands of manuscripts that date back way back within a few hundred years, of, not even sooner than that from Jesus Christ. The first things that were written down within maybe 30 years after Jesus' death. The closest history book we have to that is, I think, Pluto. And it was written 900 years after his death. So we have a, 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 a book written down, written down by man, which I'll hear people say, well, it's written by man. But if you know the Bible, if you understand the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, it is about a man, a God-man. His name is Jesus. And if you can start to have an ear to hear, you'll start to see these things from Genesis to Revelation. And you'll start to have to deal with the issues and you'll have to decide whether it is real or it is not real. But I can tell you, it is real. It's been through courts of law from time to time, from every arrogant man that ever walked. Because when you don't believe this, you're calling all these people in this Bible liars. You're saying, I don't believe those people. I don't believe eyewitnesses. I don't believe those things. You have the right not to believe. But we run our laws today and our governments and our countries on eyewitnesses and things like that. This was written down with people that were alive at the time it was written. Eyewitnesses of Jesus Christ. You can argue all the things you want to. But when it boils down to it, it will boil down to facts. This is a history book full of facts. Not fictitious stories or lies or whatever, but facts written by eyewitnesses at the time of Jesus Christ. Now you have to deal with that. And many people deal with it in many different ways. But I can tell you as a child of God, when I started to open my eyes and my heart from Genesis to Revelation, I saw Jesus. And I see him today. And he loves you with great passion. The cross was about passion, this passion of love. Because God knew from the very beginning that he was going to have to pay for our sins. He created everything. He wrote it down, he rolled it out. He knew what was going to have to take place and he went ahead and did it. See now, if there wasn't a choice, then we'd be a bunch of robots. But he gave us this choice. 
And because of that choice, he had to give us his son, Jesus Christ, to pay for our sins. Does that make sense to y'all? I'm thankful for the choice. I'm thankful for the Son of Christ. Dear Heavenly Fathers, we come before you this morning, Lord. I ask you to bless this message. Lord, that we have a, a wonderful time seeing you through the scriptures. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Brad and Sherry, will you come on up? Now, they're going to have to... We've never tried this before, so... There's going to be a clock. John Blackwell, where are you? He's not in here. Look, he's already ran and run hide. Dale, Dale Morrison, you're in here. There's a clock. And in a minute, it's going to reach 30 minutes. Now, at 30 minutes, we're going to be done. See, that time, that's the time is we have, from the time we are, take our first breath until our last breath, we have an amount of time. And every, nobody knows how much time we have. I don't know. Uh, right, now, I'm, right now, I'm working on, I got 61 years in. I don't know how much more time I have, but I know God knows. Now, God has given us this time in our lives to reconcile our sin to him, that we can be redeemed, redeemed through him. He's given us every tool, everything we need to know. He's, he's put Christians throughout the world, and right now the Christians are the biggest religion being martyred throughout the world. Do you know there's a Christian being killed about every nine seconds right now throughout the world? Thousands upon thousands of Christians being martyred throughout the world right now. When I grew up, that wasn't like that. In times, my friends, in times, our time is running out. Today we have 30 minutes to complete this sermon once we get started. And I'm going to need your help. When this clock gets counting down, I'm going to ask you once in a while, how much time do we have? And every time I ask you that, just think about that. How much time do you have left in your life to get it right? To get it right. And you with the heavy burdens and stuff, how many, how many more years, how many more days, how many more months you want to walk around with these heavy burdens instead of letting them go? You say, well, how does, how does the Lord take care of my heavy burdens? I, I learned from his word how to deal with them. He doesn't wipe them away, but I learned how to deal with the burdens of my life. I learned how to turn them over to him. I learned how to live my life where these burdens, burdens don't, aren't so burdensome anymore. They almost become joy because I know that the God is with me in every aspect of it. I'm going to give out a couple of clues, and this is how it's going to work. I'm going to give out some clues, and we have four stations here. Now, they have to do it in order. Just like our lives, God, we cannot jump. We cannot just say, well, God, I'm going to do this, then jump over to another area and say, well, God, you'll just have to bless me over here because that's not how God works. But God created everything. Everybody say amen. amen. What if I told you that the Holy Bible from beginning to end contains clues because that's what it does this bible contains clues and if you'll have the ear to hear you'll hear the clues and you'll know it's all about a risen savior from beginning to end contains clues that will lead to the greatest treasure known to man what if i told you a timer was not what well, timer was set the minute you were born let those who have an ear to hear are you ready now, you can set your phone on some kind of cat or dog or something if you want for 30 minutes. 
because it ended 30 minutes, we're done. Now, the, the thing is, that means I got to, you know how, like, you know how I preach, right? Can, can I make it in 30 minutes? Everybody say, yeah, he can. I don't think I know some of you say, no, he can't. But see, here's the problem. If, if we don't make it in 30 minutes, what happens? I die. And I'm not going to heaven. I got to make it. I got a time limit in my life. Wait a minute. We're going. <laughs> Stop that clock. <laughs> oh. Dang on it, boy. All right. Here we go. Where's my where's my where am I going here? Now you got me all nervous. This is how we were in that in that place the other day. We all got nervous. We so somehow we thought the volcano was really gonna blow up and kill us or something. I don't know. But it really was fun and uh Words, okay, words spoken long ago, but still relative to life today. Amen. Holy Bible. What's words spoken long ago? What did God create long ago? Creation. What do you see up here that reminds you of creation? Brad, 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 Brad. He said creation. So, right, so there's a globe. So we probably should start here. Hmm, here's a clue. Here's, oh, okay. Words spoken long ago. Oh, gosh, this is like the biggest Bible ever. <laughs> okay, don't hit me over the head with it or anything. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Genesis 3.15. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the word was God. John 1, 1. I'm not, That's I'm not it for now. Right. Just hang on for a minute. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. That's a picture of Jesus Christ. The woman, of course, we're talking about is Mary. One of the things the Jewish nation did before they were a Jewish nation was they kept genealogy. I mean, they knew who their grandfathers were. I can't even go back to my great-grandfather. I don't even know their name. But they knew him from centuries back. The, the Jewish people kept great genealogy because they wanted to know the Messiah's line, the line of the Messiah. And it came down to Mary, of course. So I will put enmity. That, in other words, I will put hostility. I will put an enemy. And that enemy, of course, we know is evil and sin. It's Satan. And this is God speaking. I will put enmity, hostility, between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, between Jesus Christ and Satan. He shall bruise your head. And that's Jesus Christ killing sin at the cross. And when he came out of that grave, when he was risen, he destroyed sin. That is the victory. All the way back to Genesis, before they were out of the garden, God has already given his prophecy of what's going to take place. And you shall bruise his heel. In other words, Satan will bruise the suffering of Christ upon that cross and taking all that sin on. That's what that represents. Go ahead, please. And in John, wait a minute. In John 1, 1, it says, in the beginning was the word. The word of God, Brad, hold up that Bible. The word of God is the Bible. It was with God in the beginning. It's always been there. And the Word was with God, and the Word, everybody say, was God. So Jesus Christ is the Word. And from Genesis now, from John 1, 1, we hear it. And the next one, the next clue for you guys. So our next clue 
I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. That is Psalms 119, 162. The greatest treasure to be found on earth is within your grasp. The greatest treasure to be found on earth is within your grasp, yet it is not on earth. Now she talked about in Psalms 119, they talked about a king. Now what would be the clue, you two? Treasure box. Call to me, and I will answer you, and show you great and mighty things, which you do not know. Jeremiah 33.3 However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. John 16.13 Call to me, and I will answer you. That's a prayer. That's, that's, that's God asking us just, just to call out to him. Some of you with these, these, these things on your lives that you don't quite understand and you're in a predicament in your life, you see no way out of it. I'll tell you, you're right where God wants you to be. You're, you're right where he needs you to be. I can tell you on the authority of God that if you call on him, if you call on him, if you'll listen, if you'll believe, he will help you. He will pull you out. He will put people around you that will do tremendous things in your life for you. There's been times when I've had the right person in the right place at the right moment. I was having some issues here not too long ago. In my own life, I was, I was contemplating on how much longer I would be a pastor. How much longer do I want to keep doing the, 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 the things I do? And I'm going to preach forever, but sometimes it really gets, it really gets tiring. It really, just, it, it really just overwhelms you. And I was really just getting frustrated. And I was really just pulling away from God in my own spirit. And I was just about coming to, my, to the very end. And I was complaining to myself, complaining to God. And I'm in my truck, and I'm just having a, a real self-centered hissy fit. And all of a sudden, my phone rang. And I, I got it where in my, in my truck where you can hear it all through the speakers. And I answered the phone. It was another pastor from another area. I haven't talked to this guy in a long, I don't know, maybe a year or two. And all of a sudden, he's calling me. And he says, Paul, I, I, I haven't talked to you in a while. I just want to encourage you. Can I just pray with you for a minute? I just think I need to call you. Now, I'm going to tell you something. That was perfect timing. Amen. I mean perfect timing because Satan is out to destroy us. But I'm telling you, if you'll listen to God, if you'll surrender to him, he will overwhelm you with his love. And this is not a, a coincidence. This happens over and over and over again in many, in many different aspects of life. He loves us. He doesn't want us to carry burdens around. He didn't want you to fight with your parents. He didn't want you to fight with your brothers and sisters. He didn't want you to fight with your neighbors. He didn't want you to fight with your waitress. He wants you to encourage you and to love you and to joy, enjoy life because time's running out. Call to me and I will answer you. That's a promise. God says if you call, if you ask, if you pray, he will answer you. 
and show you great and mighty things which you did not know. Now, I'm telling you, you say, though, that preacher calling you the other day, that, that was not a big deal. Yes, it was. It changed my whole atmosphere. It changed my whole line of spirit. I went from a critical spirit to a happy, engaged spirit in the Lord. Amen? He knew, he knew Easter was coming. He knew the things that people need to know. And he uses us to spread that out. And I could not have walked up here and even started to preach with such a critical spirit. Now, Jesus had a bad day on Friday. That good, we call it Good Friday, but he had a bad day. Am I running out of time? He had a bad day. But I'll tell you, Sunday came, this day came, and he had a good day because his Lord and Father, the God of all, flipped it. Amen? You can have a bad day, but I'm telling you, God can just turn the page and rewrite it. And you'll see God all through it. However, when the spirit of the truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. Amen? That's the Holy Spirit. You two, where are we at here? This is them. They'll give them out later. If you call the king your king, you are nearly free. If you call the king of kings your king, you are nearly free. Now, I'll tell you, there's a, there's a lot of people out there that want to call the name of the Lord like a Santa Claus or whatever. That don't get it. If he is the king of kings to your soul, and you've asked him to come live in your life, that he's the Lord of your life. It's a total different meaning. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He is risen that we may have life and have it eternal. If you call the king your king, you are nearly free. What are you guys looking for? Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. John 18.37 Everybody, when I ask a question, why is Jesus here, people give me all kinds of answers. Here's your main answer. Here is the right answer. Here is the first answer. Jesus answered, said, you rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the what? Everybody say truth. 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 His truth is the word of God. His truth right here. So when you say, I don't believe this, you're saying, God, I don't believe you. Because that's what this is. This is his truth. Jesus came in the world to give us truth. And without truth, we have no basis for anything. We have politicians that lie just to lie. They lie so much they don't even know what they're lying about. The last lie they lied. We have everybody. It's like nobody cares whether you lie or not anymore. If you, all you do is lie, there is absolutely no truth. Anything goes. But the truth of God stands forever. Amen? It's been around for thousands of years. It's been tried to be burned up, destroyed, everything. But it has still, it cannot be destroyed. It is still here. Because it is the word of God. People say the church has no relevancy today. It's because you don't want it to have relevancy today. It has plenty to me. It's my life. 
back, please. One more. Go back. Go forward one more time. One more time. I'm sorry. Go ahead, please. What'd you guys find in there? What's that? Pearl. Pearl? Okay. What else did you find? A clue. A clue? Okay. A cross. What's the cross say? Do you believe? Okay, and what are you holding there, Sherry? Crown, Crown. of thorns. All right. Give me your clues. And it's sharp. Okay. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Matthew 13, 45-46. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking a beautiful pearl, pearls, who when he had found one pearl, the pearl of great price, which is Jesus Christ, is something that, that's worth more than anything else. He said, I went and sold all that he had and bought it. So what this, what this verse here is telling us, it's a parable, what it's telling us is that our Lord and Savior, our risen Savior, is worth everything. And if we're willing to, to let everything go in our life, to allow everything to be His from our life, then this pearl becomes a beautiful pearl in our lives. It costs a great price. It costs Jesus Christ's life to become this great pearl. It is the most beautiful treasure we can have. If you see what 500 saw, your chains will fall. If you see what 500 saw, your chains will fall. Go ahead, please. For I delivered you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the Twelve. After that, he was seen by 500 brethren at once. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 6a. Okay, just stop. I'm going to be here for a few minutes. This is something that we have to deal with. This was written down when eyewitnesses walked the earth the same time Jesus Christ went on the cross, when he came off the cross, when he came out of the grave, when he ascended to heaven. These people saw it. It wasn't a few people. As we can see, it was hundreds of people. Now, this, this, this is facts. We would take these 500 people any day into a court of law, and if they said what they needed to say to get you off, you would be off. You would be free. 500 people saw at one time Jesus Christ after he came out of the tomb. Isn't it peculiar that every time we talk about Jesus Christ, I don't, it don't matter who it is, it's not in the past, it's always in the present or the future. I don't care if it's an atheist or whatever it is, they don't talk as Jesus, well, Jesus Christ was, it's, it's Jesus Christ. Because he's not ever been found in a grave. He wasn't there. He came out of the grave. So we've got all these people that saw him after he was dead. Now let me tell you something. The Roman soldiers at that cross, at the foot of that cross, you know what their job was? To assassinate people. I've heard the story after story and the conspiracy after conspiracy that he never died on the cross. Well, I never heard such hogwash. Their job was to kill. And that was the only job they had. If they didn't kill, they could be killed. 
Jesus died on the cross. He was speared in the side and water and blood came out, which represents the suffocation that he had. He was dead when they took him off that cross. And his body wasn't stolen. It was taken away. Josephus had permission from Pilate to take it and bury it before the time of that day ran out. He was buried and then soldiers put at that tomb. Roman soldiers. And then we're here to believe that, that his own disciples that would not come to the crucifixion all of a sudden got some kind of brave pill and took it where the Roman soldiers by the tomb and went and took it and robbed the grave with the Roman soldiers there. That's more hogwash. They were scared to death. They were running with fear that their lives would be next. So I have to deal with this 500. He said, well, I don't want to believe it. You don't have to believe it. You don't have to believe anything. It doesn't make it not true. It just makes that you don't believe. It's still truth. In the way we live our lives, this holds up in any court and has for centuries. It is the truth. There is no other explanation for it. One of the things that I fear is so many people, they want to come to conclusion about this day, this risen Savior day, and all about Jesus, and, and they make their own conclusions out of their own thoughts and their own opinions, but yet they've not studied, they've not gone back. Is your eternal life worth some hours, worth some time to go back and do the research? You don't have to believe me. If you'll just go back and do the research, if you'll spend time, if your eternal life means anything to you at all, if you'll spend time, you can go to the secular books, you can go to wherever you want to go, but you're still going to come to the same conclusion. Either you believe the facts of the Word of God or you don't. And I'll tell you something. I've seen many lives change from some of the worst nightmares that people could imagine from the worst drug abuse from the worst alcoholics from the from from child molesters to 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 people that beat women to people that dealt with war and battles and death i've seen it all i've seen those people completely change not because of themselves or because of some secular psychiatrist but because of the Lord Jesus Christ they picked up the Word of God they read it they studied it they come up with the facts of it and they said it is true it is factual now I have to deal with it you have to believe whether it's 500 people at this one time plus all the disciples are lying or telling the truth now, I've heard the story, and I've said it before, that nobody will die for a lie. Now, some people say, well, yeah, they will die for a lie. If they know it's a lie, they won't die for a lie. Amen? People have died for lies, and, it's, and, and then they find out, we find out later that was a lie. Yeah, if you know it's a lie, you'll never die for it. So now we have to deal with the apostles, which all of them died a martyr's death except for John. For a lie? For a man they know they hid somewhere in the ground? They know he didn't come out? They're going to they're give up their families. They're going to give up their livelihood. They're going to watch their children. They're going to watch their wives. 
be persecuted and killed for a lie? Now, you've got to deal with that. Would you do that? Of course not. Would you give up your jobs, your livelihood, and go out and, and be persecuted from, from country to country for a lie? Of course not. But they did. And many today, all over this country, I told you a while ago, are being persecuted, martyred, and killed in the most horrific ways. Here it is, 2017, and Christians. How many of them died last week over in Egypt? 45? And we sit over here in our comfortable churches. We have people watching the doors. We never would have thought of that when I was raised. I always thought everybody knew Jesus Christ. Because, see, when I was raised, everybody went to church, mostly. Hollywood didn't, but mostly everybody else did. And something just dramatically changed. We lost generations. And our young people don't believe because they don't know the facts. Hey, we're doing good. For I delivered you, for I delivered to you first all that which I saw received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, according to the word of God that's been around for thousands of years, according to God's word and that he was seen by Cephas, that's Peter, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen over 500 brethren at once. Before you leave today, I want you to look deep into your own heart. I want you to say, do I believe that? Or I just think that's this all whatever. Here's the church. And here's the steeple. Here's the church and here's the steeple. Open the door and see all the people. Open the door and see all the people. You're running out of time. Let the church help. How much time we have left? I didn't hear a word you said. Seven minutes? Well, I'll tell you. We got a few more scriptures because we're going to run this down, boy. Now, the other day, we were uh, all excited about what was going on. And we had, all the, we had some of the grandkids in there, and Braden, he's 14 and 6 foot 2 or 3 already, and, and uh, he's kind of just plowing through everywhere, and Lucas is going everywhere, and they're looking everywhere. The thing is, it had to be one clue, then the next clue, then the next clue. You couldn't overrun the clues. And with our Lord and Savior, it's the same way. You need to start in the Bible and then do exactly as he says. Because every time we think we can get around something, every time we think I don't want to surrender that to God, I'm telling you, you're not going any further. You're stopped right where you're at. Now, we went through this, and we, at first we all tried going around and pulling on locks and trying different things. None of it worked. And then we had to stop and think. We had an hour to do this. And we look up at the time, and it was running out. And there was a volcano over here and a map over here and a treasure box over here and a half of a boat over here. 
And we're thinking, what in the world? Where do we go? See, that's what a lot of people do with God. But where do I start? Well, you start in believing. Amen? You've got to believe. And you've got to believe it from your heart. That's where it starts. Until that moment, you're only, you're only believing what you claim to believe. See, in James 2.19, it says the demons believe, but they tremble. So, so you can just say, I believe, but if you don't believe with a heart of love for God, then you're believing like the demons. Well, you're just right even with them. It's more than just saying, I believe. It's turning your life over. It's saying, Lord, I'm a sinner. Lord, I know you rose from that cross, from that empty tomb. I want you in my life, and I surrender my life to you. That's the church. As time was running out on us the other day, like it is right now, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except for me. You guys go ahead with your clues. What have you got? Well, we have a cross, and we have a church, and we have one final clue. The one I just read, I believe. Well, but then I have an actual final clue. Okay. <laughs> Do you want me to go ahead and read it? Yep. But when the king came in to see the guest, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. He said to him, friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, find him hand and foot, take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. But when the king came in to see the guest, this is another parable. This is about the banquet. See, after, we, after we're in heaven, there's a banquet, a great dinner, a great celebration. And this is a parable that Jesus is giving. He says, but when the king came in to see the guest, he saw a man who did not have on a wedding garment. In other words, a garment, a white robe, as we say oftentimes in the Bible. It's a white robe. He had a, he had, he had a dark robe on. He, he wasn't saved. He didn't know the Lord Jesus Christ. He came into the church. He came in seeking something, but yet he did not know. And so he said to him, friend. See, Jesus called him friend. Amen? He didn't call him enemy. He called him a friend. He says, friend, how do you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless because he came face to face with God. See, I'm telling you, if you'll come face to face with God on your knees, you'll understand who he is. And this change will take place. Then the king said to the servants, bind him up hand and foot, take him away and cast him into outer darkness. That would be called hell. And there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In other words, there will be great trembling, great suffering for eternity. For many are called. In other words, many are called. Every one of you here today are called. I can assure you you're called or you wouldn't be sitting here. It's up to you to decide. But you are called. For many are called, but few are chosen. In other words, God knows exactly who's going to call, who he's going to call and who will accept him in his life. Now, a lot of us walk around with these great heavy burdens and great sorrows and great things in our lives. It's like putting on this black darkness of evil and sin. And I started to put it on myself the other day until the Lord Jesus Christ, with through a simple phone call, encouraged me. And I learned quickly to strip that off and throw that off, to know that it was evil coming after me, to know it was nothing more than temptation. Isn't it great how God can get your attention so quickly? Because I have an ear to hear. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What have you got there, guys? What's on that white robe? that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but will have everlasting life John 3.16 Amen We're free You're free, amen A minute nine left Now I want to give you some statistics When we was at the uh, at this place the other day we did this kind of thing what we was doing we came out and we said, boy, that was hard. We made it out with 52 seconds left. 52 seconds before the volcano was going to erupt and devour us. We made it out here with a minute nine left. Do you know how many people make it out on time? 35% make it out on time. I thought about that for a while, and as I thought about this, I, th I don't know how many Christians there are in the world and how many true Christians there are in the world, but I know it's, it's, not, it's not near as many as I would hope. If I would be hopeful to think that 35% 30, of the world was going to make it out, that would be an awesome thing. I don't even think it's that high. I know that there's a time limit on your life there's a time limit on my life. And I know the moment I surrendered my life to Christ and I truly gave my life to Christ, I knew that every burden, every challenge in my life, I knew to where to find the answers for it. I spent time studying the Bible. I didn't take for a, a, another person's word for it. Although I love pastors and, and teachers, leaders, I love them. I, I understand them. I want to learn from them. But I would go back and study myself because I was curious about who this God was. And the more I studied, the more I learned, the more I understood how loving a God we have. He created us because he loves us and wanted a relationship with us. He allowed sin to come into the world that we have a choice between evil and righteousness. He gave us every tool we need to become a child of God. Now I'm going to ask you one more question then we're going to close. Have you already made your mind up who God is? And, and that's that. That's it. Your mind's made up. No matter what you hear, you're done. Your mind's made up. You've got your own understanding of who God is. It doesn't matter what the facts say. It doesn't matter that this is the only book in the world that's been around this long. That it was written by eyewitnesses at the time. That you've just decided that none of this is true. Well, I got sad news for you. You may not believe it today, but there's coming a day you will believe it. 
my hope and prayer is not only that you surrender your life to Christ, that you live your life for Christ. Amen? There's a difference between surrendering and living. Those that truly surrender live for Christ. In the very beginning of that the, uh, passion, I saw a Bible up there with a, and I, I love that, that picture because it was a Bible and it went, it, it, in the middle of that Bible it said, everybody remember this, it said, read me? Did any of you, that grab any of you where it said, read me? Did you notice there was dust all over that Bible? And that was the, that was the fingerprint of God saying, read me? I think more than anything, God wants us to read about him. This is God. This is God. Just read about him. Just read about him. And if your mind is already made up, all we can do is pray for you, which is the most powerful thing we can do. But if you allow God just to have a crack in that, that hardened heart of yours, just a crack, and you'll just cry out to him as Jeremiah 33. If you'll just cry out to him, I promise you, he will come. He will bring comfort. And as you know who he is in your life, as this relationship grows, he will bring peace in every dynamic part of your life. And you'll live in eternity with him. Let's stand. He is risen. We're going to open the tables for communion in just a moment here. And today we do it a little different. This is unleavened bread. And you're going to dip it. Take it like that. If you belong to Jesus Christ, but hear me now. If you're a child of God, if you have surrendered your life over to him, not only that, if you've asked, if you've got sin in your life, and you know it's sin in your life, don't do this. Get, come to your knees, either where you're sitting, where you're at, come to your knees, go to your seat, whatever you have to do, and you pray and ask the Lord to forgive you of those sins before you partake of this table. And then you can rise up and join the church. Many people don't think the church is important anymore. Well, I'm telling you, Jesus is coming back for his church. Amen. Now, I want to tell you, I've told, I've told the crossing this many times. We've got a lot of visitors here today. I want to tell you something. I want you to listen to me real quick. If you don't want to be in the church today, now listen to me. If you don't want to spend a few hours with the church today, why on earth would you spend eternity with me? Because I'm going to heaven. Amen? Amen. I'm going to heaven. And I want people that are like-minded with me. The Bible says we'll be like-minded. In other words, our thoughts will be on Christ. And because they're on Christ, we have the same mindset. Now, I'm not trying to be mean or nasty to anybody. But I'm just telling you, if you think you're going to heaven, but you don't want to spend any time with the church, and you say, well, I can go out in the woods. Well, I'll tell you what, I used to think the same thing. You're just blowing up smoke there, bub. He said, well, God's, in the, God's out there. God died for his church. Now you say, well, I don't have to come to a building. Well, you don't, that's for sure. But you need to gather with people like God. Amen? Amen. I don't care if it's two or three. You need to gather. Because the church 
is where we learn. It's where we listen. The Bible says, how do we learn without a preacher? How do we learn without a teacher? The Bible says we're to hold each other accountable. How do we hold each other accountable if we're not together? Amen? I tell you these things not out of any kind of malady, not of anything of hatred, anything at all, but out of love. Strictly out of love. I know what the Word of God says. Everybody say, God loves me. He does. He proved it on the cross. And when he came out of that grave, it's victory for all of us. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come before you this morning, Lord, we thank you for this message. We thank you so much for the music this morning, for all the things you've done in our lives, Father. Lord, for those here today with the heaviest burdens on their heart, those here today, Lord, that, that don't even want to be here, Father. Oh, Father. I ask you to soften those hearts. Father, that they would just allow you a glimpse into their lives. Father, I ask you to change us, mold us, break us, that we become closer to who you want us to be. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You're welcome at these tables.